Welcome back to the Something's Brewing Podcast, episode 54. 54. The Adam McQuaid episode. And you know what's ironic about this being episode 54? What's that? Today, as you are listening to this podcast, there are 54 days until the regular season starts for the Boston Bruins. Really? Brewers. Yes. Talk about the stars aligning. <laughs> it's like 11-11-11. Uh, it's like 11, 11, 11. Or like, uh, what am I trying to say? Like in 2011 on November 11th, when it was the, yeah. the date, everything lines up. It's just everything. That, huh? Yeah, the universe just adds everything up perfectly, and it's just a smooth ride. But was there wait was there anybody notable other than uh, Adam McQuaid who wore 54? Uh, That's such a random number. It is such a random number, and I'll tell you in a second. I'm pretty sure Adam McQuaid was the he had to have been the only Bruin right to wear hey. 54. Maybe not the only Bruin, but the only notable Bruin. Shout out Seawalk. Connor Walker wore 54 when we were playing football as kids. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, okay, honestly, there's nobody really notable. Oh, well, actually, you'll think this person is notable. Hanu Toivonen, he wore Oh, my God! <laughs> yeah. You had the audacity to say there was nobody else notable who wore 54? Are you kidding me? That's wore- As far as I'm concerned, that's his number, not Quaid's. Dude, well, he did wear it first. He was the last person to wear it before McQuaid. And then you know um, what? Jack let's, O'Shawn. Let's- Let's redo the intro. This is the Hanu Toivonen episode, not the Adam McQuaid episode. <laughs> the Hanu Toivonen episode. Yeah, I mean, Jack Sean wore it for the little time he was up here. But, hey, we got a fun episode for you guys today. Obviously, um, we have a joyous start to this episode, even though there was some depressing news the other day. <laughs> David Krejci calls it a career. Um, you know, one, one of the absolute... Best Bruins of all time. Mel, what were your initial thoughts on Krejci hanging him up? Did you expect it? Yeah, yeah. I I think everybody expected it. Uh, yeah. Not the first time he retired. And I was <laughs> I was laughing um, B's memes on Twitter when he tweeted, you know, are the Bruins just going to retweet all the things that they tweeted two years ago when he first <laughs> went to the check? Or are they, is he going to come up with like a whole bunch of new content? But no, I think I knew it was coming. Um, I think the writing was kind of on the wall. I know the way that the season ended last year, um, he did have three points in that game seven, but I know that he was fighting some injury problems. He had the elbow problem in the playoffs. And of course he's, you know, 38 years old now, whatever he is. And his, his ride or die guy, Patrice Bergeron retired too. And of course, you know, you saw how much his family means to him when he retired for the first time a couple years ago. And I'm sure it still weighs heavy on him and, um, I don't know. I think it just like Bergeron retiring surprised me. Mm-hmm. I never gave a second thought to David Krejci coming back because I figured this was the plan all along, especially when he said that if he does come back, it won't be until Christmas time. I'm like, oh, no, he's done. Like he's not he's not coming back. You don't just step into the NHL at age 38 after taking, you know, a summer off 
come back during Christmas time and you're you're good to go. Like it, you knew that he probably wasn't coming back. So I, I was sad for him or sad for myself, I should say. But I was very happy for David Krejci. I know I tweeted, uh, you know, he's truly, you could make an argument that he is the most underrated. I wouldn't say underappreciated because he's beloved in Boston, but the most underrated Bruins player of all time. I mean, a thousand, over a thousand games. He had like, what, 800 and some career points. Mr. Game uh, 7. I mean, he, he had 786 career points, but yeah. like All right, so he's right round around up, 800. Round up. Yeah, round yeah up. he's right around 800. <laughs> <laughs> second line guy his whole career um and it's not like you know he i know he had lucic on his wing for a while he had a Ginla on his wing horton on his wing he had talented running mates but it wasn't like he had a consistent left and right wing next to him for eight years or whatever it was like bergeron's had with marshawn and like he had with pasta so um no i, I think it's you know it's definitely sad but you know i think uh his time was coming and unfortunately, yeah. now we move on with no Bergeron and no Krejci. Well, it's it's uh, there's a it's like what's the word I'm looking for? It's bittersweet a little bit yeah. the way that things ended, because um, I mean it, it wouldn't feel right if Krejci was here without Bergeron. Yeah. I mean, it, it, like you saw Bergeron without Krejci, and that was a little weird. And that was weird, yeah. And it's like. It would be weird, like the roles reverse. Like one year we had Bergeron, no Krejci. Then what? Like Krejci, no Bergeron. Like, they, and now we like have Lucic and no, no both. Yeah. So we're we're trying to keep the band together. What are we doing? Here? What are we doing, dude? But anyways, you know, congrats to Krejci on a great career. Uh, Sixteen years in Boston, over a thousand games, uh, two hundred and thirty-one goals, five hundred and fifty-five assists, and seven hundred eighty-six career points. He had obviously a part of that twenty eleven Stanley Cup. Playoff Krejci, he was dubbed for decades here. It was a great career. We were grateful. And I, if Bergeron had never played in Boston, David Krejci would be getting so much more praise than he is right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's unfortunate for him that his career just so happened to overlap with some, like, some Titans and, you know, the, the, yeah. and the Bruins and the Bruins history. I mean, for whatever it's worth, I mean, I know he 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 never got the spotlight that Bergeron did. He didn't get the spotlight that Krejci did. Even I know Tim Thomas was like, you know, playing out of this world for like three or four years. But we still talk about Tim Thomas, who, by the way, finally came out of witness protection. Did you see that dude <laughs> up in Vermont helping him like build houses or whatever? I yes, haven't dude. seen that guy on a Bruins related thing such as the Bruins Twitter page since like 2012 the last time he suited up for the Bruins it was weird seeing him but you know because of David Krejci because he played with some of those guys in his career he never got the spotlight that he deserved and if he was on any other team I know we said it a couple weeks ago if he was on like the Nashville Predators I think I said his number would be hanging in their rafters and he'd be the greatest predator of all time Dude, but we were fortunate be. he know, he definitely would he would uh, I mean it depends how much they value Pecorine but still <laughs> um his career is insane. I don't know if you heard the story of David Pasternak, and he said that growing up, his favorite player was David Krejci. Krejci was his idol. And I remember when Pasta was drafted, of course, he's a Czech kid just like Krejci was, how excited he was to play with David Krejci. And I'm sure those extensions now, too, that Pasta signed with the Bruins, I'm sure probably playing with Krejci or playing for Krejci's team had some sort of influence in that. But he was sharing a story about... Um, when he first got drafted, <clears throat> he was so excited to meet David Krejci because he's his idol. 
and Krejci texted them or called them or whatever and asked if they wanted to meet up for dinner. And Pasta was like, oh my God, yeah, sure, whatever. So Pasta <laughs> said that he, he, was, he was 17, 18 years old, literally freshly drafted. And his idol just asked him to get dinner. So Pasta's like, I was in my room for two hours trying to pick out what to wear. You know, I'm, I got like a nice pair of jeans on, a collared shirt. I got shoes on. I'm trying to like, I'm trying on a million different things. I get to the restaurant early and then Krejci walks in with a t-shirt and shorts on and he's wearing flip-flops. And he's like, oh, hey, guy. And, just and casual. Pasta, just yeah, casual. <laughs> and Pasta was saying how nervous he was. But, you know, look at them now and they're practically brothers. But, you know, even this summer has been hard because of Bergeron's retirement. But now with like, you know, it's like you got slapped in the face. Here's Bergeron leaving. And then they hit you with the backhand. There's Krejci too. And they just left it to go. That's what it's felt like. But at least for Krejci, I feel like we knew it was coming. But it doesn't make it any easier. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you saw the video or not, but that um, the Hannah for Bergy account on Twitter tweeted out the video of um, Pasta mimicking what Krejci was doing during warmups. Like literally everything he was doing, he'd kick his leg. Pasta would be right behind him, kicking his leg. Like stick lifts, <laughs> he flicks this stick. He's you could tell how much of an impact playing with David Krejci had for Pasternak, and when they played together too, they had awesome chemistry. It's just like everything flowed when they were together. Um, but Krejci's influence on this team, like we always talk about with Bergeron and Chara, and you know those guys instilling a culture in Boston. Throw Lucic in there too. That whole core of Bruins back then that restored the culture. Krejci was a major part of that too. I mean. It, who knows how this team shakes up if we don't have him as our 2C. We probably don't win the 2011 Stanley Cup. We probably don't make a deep 2013 Stanley Cup run. We definitely don't make 2019. I mean, he was play, playoff Krejci for a reason. Um, but I'm going to miss him on the team, dude. I'm for yeah. sure going to miss him. I mean, just like, like just kind of stopping for a minute and thinking about like how fortunate we were to have both of these guys, Krejci. I don't want to, you know, I know we're talking about Krejci. I don't want to have to include Bergeron, but have both of these guys as your your first two line centers for almost for like, two de- two decades, yeah, almost sixteen years. years <laughs> you had them solidified as your top two centers, minus the one year that Krejci took off. But like mm-hmm. thinking around the league, like how many teams can say that? I know Pittsburgh had Crosby and Malkin, but like. Like, who else that's is there that's had that, two, the same two centers and it worked like they went to three cups they've all won individual awards uh, i mean bergeron's gonna be in the hall of fame someday i don't think Krejci is but still and it's in and it, it's only right that the two of them go out together and the yes. most heartbreaking part i think of this whole thing was the the video that the Bruins put out of the players saying goodbye. First of all, if I'm not mistaken, the players are all wearing the exact same clothes they're wearing on media day. So these guys found out that Bergeron and Krejci were gone on the same day. Talk about heartbreak. That must have been hard. But when you get to the very end of the video and it's Patrice Bergeron saying like, you know, you're my best friend. We've been teammates forever. And it says Patrice Bergeron and his title is legend. It doesn't say Bruins captain or Bruins player anymore. It said legend because Bergeron retired as well. And I saw that and I was like, oh my God, kicking the dick. Like, dude, I know. I like, I'm just thinking about seeing that last one from Bergeron just gave me goosebumps. Like, it's, yeah, we we were so lucky. But um, this question for you that I have um, is going to lead us into the segment and basically what the episode is today which is going to be a Bruins all-time jersey retirement bracket. 
Oh, um, I had no but, idea we were doing this. <laughs> yes. So, um, do you think Krejci deserves to have his number retired? I think, <clears throat> I think that he has done everything worthy of getting a jersey retired for most teams, for almost every team in the league, minus a handful. And I think one of those teams that's going to say no is the Bruins. I just, I just don't think he has the resume. He's in, he's an all-time Bruin. He's, you know, a, a, one of the most polarizing Bruins we've had since the turn of the century. And the success that the Bruins have had in the last two decades, you you don't have that without David Krejci. But um, looking at those numbers that are hanging, I mean, the Boston Bruins, they're the, the, the first North American team. They're one of the original six teams. I mean, those guys whose numbers are hanging are legends, not just in Boston, but in the entire NHL. I mean, I think there's what, like nine numbers up there and like all but two or three are in the Hall of Fame. And like Bergeron is a shoe in He was a captain. He's got six Selkies. He's going in the Hall of Fame. Char is a shoe-in. He's got a Norris. He was the captain of a team that won a Stanley Cup, and he's going into the Hall of Fame. And Krejci doesn't have any individual awards. I know he has a couple. Uh, I think, honestly, it might be more likely that he makes the NHL Hall of Fame than it does getting his number retired because he does have mm. a couple of he does have a couple of silver medals with Czech. I know he's been he's been really influential in uh, Czech's resurgence over there with their national team. Yeah, he won the uh, 2013 Silver Stick, I believe it's called. It's um, he, awarded to the best Czech player of the year. So. Yeah, which is, a, which is a big deal. So, I, But I just think that you have to you, – you can't just be a, a great hockey player to get your number retired in Boston. Like, you have to be that tenfold. Like, you have to be a yeah. living legend, like, just under statue-worthy. Like, there's – a lot of guys who I think had a more impressive career than David Krejci, whose numbers aren't retired. Maybe not a lot of guys, but there are guys who I would put before Krejci. And I just think that his resume just doesn't stack up to the rest of the guys whose numbers are hanging. Like you said, you have to be just under statue worthy. It's for, you know, to get your Jersey retired. It's almost as if you have to transcend the Jersey and what it, you know, means to be a Bruin itself. You have to exceed that. And I don't know. He, I'm with, I'm with you. He is right on the line. Now, there's a there's maybe one or two guys, maybe just one, whose jersey is retired that <laughs> I might prefer you over. And I think we I think we both know who that is, and we'll get yeah. into that. But um, I mean, you got guys like Bork, Busick, Neely, Espo, uh Terry O'Reilly, Bobby Orr, dude. It's like you got you got numbers like that up in the rafters. I don't know if Krejci meets that criteria. Yeah, I mean, all of those guys <clears throat> that you just listed off, they were first of all, they were they were Stanley Cup champions. Not all of them, most of them are Krejci is. He's got that. They were yeah. captains. Krejci wasn't a captain. Milt Schmidt was a player, a captain, a head coach, and a GM, and he's had a hand in like four Stanley Cups, so obviously his yeah. number's going to be up there. Terry O'Reilly didn't have – I think he had like one year, he had like 96 points or something like that, and, and by all means, his numbers never consistently jumped off the board, but, but he is the, he he's like, the embodiment yeah. of Bruins yes. hockey yes, in the dude. 80s. Like he is the Bruins – 
and um, like I don't want to cross sports and I know he just got traded and it's a bad example, but it's like Marcus smarts, the Celtics times 10. Yes. Yes. Terry O'Reilly is that guy. And he was always that guy for the Bruins. And Krejci wasn't that guy either. There's hall of famers up there. Krejci's, even though I just said I think you could make an argument, it's more likely Krejci goes into the Hall of Fame than getting his number retired. I don't think either is going to happen. He's not going to be a Hall of Famer. And this isn't to like shit on David Krejci. Like this is the level of excellence you need to get your number hanging. There's probably 25 teams in the league that would retire David Krejci's number. His problem is he just played for one of his whole career for one of the most storied franchises in the history of the league. And yeah. after that, he I don't think he's going to get his number retired. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, but I, I think we should jump into this all-time jersey retirement bracket. Um, Mel, if you have a pen and you want to keep track of like the brackets and who's matched up against who, so we don't I get got lost. you. Because I have it too, but I don't want to be the only one. So yeah. we got on the left side. Tell me when you're ready. I'm ready. Perfect. We got Bobby Orr against Milt Schmidt. Under that, we have Eddie Shore against Rick Middleton. After that, we have Willie O'Ree against Lionel Hitchman. After that, (laughs) we've got Bergeron against Terry. And yes, I'm going to throw in some of these players who potentially could have their jerseys retired. So that's the entire left side. On the right side, we have Ray Bork against... Dit Clapper. Below that, we have Johnny Busick going up against Cam Neely. Following that, we have Zdeno Chara versus Tuka Rask. And then below that, we have Phil Esposito against David Krejci. So that's our matchup. Hey, man, the- when you were saying some of these, I was like, oh, man, I don't know who and- I'm going to pick. And some of the other ones, I'm like, okay, I already got my guy. Like, Right. Because I before we even started recording, I was putting it together and I was saying, I was like, dude, I don't like I don't know how I'm gonna pick between these two. It was yeah. hard even putting it together. Even like looking at this list, like holy shit. Like I know Chara's number isn't hanging yet. Rask might not. Krejci probably won't. Bergeron isn't up there yet. But like all of these guys, like wow. Like to walk into the garden and not just see the Bruins retired numbers, but the Celtics too, and to recognize all the greatness that have won championships and played in the TD garden, both old garden and new. It's, uh, it's amazing. It's unbelievable, dude. So let's see. So first we got Bobby Orr and Milt Schmidt. So Bobby Orr, 1966 to 1979, Obviously, everybody knows his career was cut short due to injuries, um, but regarded as one of the greatest NHL defensemen, not only defensemen, one of the greatest NHL players of all time. Um, 657 games played, 270 goals, 645 assists, 915 points. He won the Calder. He, he won the Norris eight times. He won the Ross two times. He won the Hart three times. He won the Smythe two times, not the Con Smythe. He won the all. He he got uh, selected for nine All Star games. He has two cups. Obviously a Hall of Famer, and he's third in the franchise in assists. Now Milt Schmidt, um, 
Milt Schmidt, 1936 to 1955, 776 games played, 229 goals, 346 assists, 575 points, one heart, four All-Stars, two Cups, and he's also in the Hall of Fame. Do you want me to start? Yeah. That was a, mouth, that was a mouthful. <laughs> a lot of awards to pass out. I think that this is the toughest matchup on the entire board. Mm. And I I don't know if this is a hot take. And I don't know if people are going to come at me for this. Yeah. <laughs> but if we're talking about impact on the Bruins, I think I might have to lean towards Milt Schmidt. Really? Are you serious? Which sounds crazy. But he played 16 seasons with the Bruins. He okay. won two Stanley Cups as a player. He was a former captain. He was a head coach of the Boston Bruins. And he was a GM. The GM of, a, of two Bruins teams that won a Stanley Cup in, what, 70 and 72? He's won. He's played every level. He's had a hand in every single level of Bruins hockey. As a player, as a coach, as a leader, as an executive He's done everything you can as a Bruin. If we're talking about Mr. Bruin, I mean, I know Johnny Busick has most points all time and Bobby Orr is the greatest Bruins player of all time. But I I think you can make an argument that nobody has had a greater impact on the Boston Bruins than Milt Schmidt. I mean, he's been involved with the team for 40 years through three different levels of this organization. And literally, it wasn't until I opened my mouth and started talking, (laughs) my mind was set on Bobby Orr being the winner of this entire thing. But after really thinking about it, like his number is retired, not just for what he did as a player, because Bobby Orr is a better player than Milt Schmidt. What are we talking about? Bobby Orr is on a Mount Rushmore of hockey, but this is also the Bruins we're talking about. And I don't, I just feel like Milt Schmidt has had a bigger impact over his 40 year career as a player, coach and executive with the Bruins than Bobby Orr did in his what nine seasons as a player, which sounds crazy. But don't come for me. Tweet at me. <laughs> Dude, I'm not even going to lie to you. Like you said, this is the hardest matchup. Um, and everything that you said, what he did as, you know, post-career, what he did during his career. I mean, Jesus, Milt Schmidt won. He was a four-time All-Star, won two cups. He won a heart. Um, one of the greatest Bruins of all time, player-wise and organizationally-wise. But... Bobby Orr, dude, his impact on on the game of hockey itself. He was like one of the first, you know, you know, offensive defensemen. He, you know, he, there's always those highlight reel clips of him skating the puck behind the blue line, you know, entering the zone, coming back out, kind of cycling, circling like a shark, dude. And he'd find an opening, and then he would just go take it to the net as a defenseman. That changed the game and changed how people thought about defensemen and their capabilities. <sighs> What you're saying about Milt Schmidt is so true, and I can't fault you for that. And I think if anybody faults you for that, I think that they aren't really thinking this through. This could be a coin flip, but what Bobby Orr did, I mean, eight Norrises in nine. Ten. If he made, in ten, okay. Eight Norrises in ten years. Nine <laughs> All-Star games in ten years. Three hearts. Third in assists all-time with the franchise, and he only played ten years I got to go with Bobby Orr, number four, the GOAT. Um, but Milt Schmidt, I'm I'm putting him down softly because I feel real bad. <laughs> yeah. Listen, 
Bobby Orr is hands down the greatest Bruin of all time. He's the greatest Bruins player of all time. He's the greatest uh, defenseman of all time. And like you look at like old sports highlights, like you watch like footage of the MLB from the 30s, and it's like I could hit a I could hit a moonshot off this guy. He's throwing meatballs out there. Or you watch basketball footage of like Bob Cousy, and it's like, dude, like I could you know I could lock this guy up. Like if we're being like you know it's shit like that. If you watch Bobby Orr highlights, this guy would still be a Norris favorite every single year playing today in the modern game. His game yeah. transcends time, his effect, his legacy will forever be remembered. There will never be a Bobby Orr and there will never be somebody better than Bobby Orr. That's just how it is. But if we're talking Bruins numbers and we're taller looking at those Bruins numbers who are hanging up there and you, and, and, and the amount of impact that Bobby Orr was able to have on the NHL and the Bruins in his 10 year career wearing the spoke B is remarkable to be yeah. able to do that much in such little time with a bad knee bad knees is ridiculous <laughs> but i <laughs> when i'm thinking of who had the bigger impact i'm looking at and and it's unfair and i don't want to say it's unfair for bobby Orr because like uh, if i don't fault you for saying bobby Orr, and like i might go to bed tonight and go oh man maybe i should have said bobby Orr. like that's how like torn up i am over it yeah but like Bobby Orr is going against the guy who was involved in the Bruins organization for like four decades, had a hand in four cups. I already said he he was a player, captain, head coach. He was a GM. He even left in the prime of his career to go serve in the Royal Canadian Air Force. Yeah, are you I mean, kidding me? Like I just I don't, I don't know. I think I think it, somebody's uh, answer to this question I think depends on how they value the most that you know the the greatest Bruin ever is it is it the most talented player on the ice yeah it's Bobby Orr is it the greatest player in the organization ever yeah it's Bobby Orr but is it the player who's had the most impact on the Boston Bruins organization not just over their career as a player but over their career over their life I mean the guy was like 98 and he was out there dropping the <laughs> ceremonial puck with Bergeron like 10 years ago whatever the hell it was and I just I don't know I just I that's how I look at it and I think for me, Milt Schmidt just edges out Bobby Orr. Dude, I don't even blame you. I like every point you just said is impossible to argue with. It's it's honestly between people, it's a coin flip. It, it's really it's like what you said. What do you value more? And yeah. like Milt Schmidt, I can't disagree with. And I, that's why this one was the hardest. It's just you can't. You, it's so here's so a question: hard to pick between them two, which might be dumb, but how how do we do the bracket now that we have different answers on the very first one? We're good. I have I have both. Uh, oh, so we're doing like two separate brackets? Yes, yes, yes. All right, yes. I got you. I got you. Yeah, I got them both locked down. So the next one underneath that, Eddie Shore and Rick Middleton. Uh, Eddie Shore, 551 career games played, 1927 to 1940. He had 284 career points, eight-time All-Star, four-time heart, two cops with the Bruins. Um Rick Middleton, 1977 to 1988, another shorter career. Still managed to play uh, over 1,000 games, so really not a short career. 1,005 <laughs> games played, um, 448 goals, 540 assists, 988 points, dude. Um, he had one bang and one all-star, and he's fourth in the franchise all-time for uh, goals. Yeah, I think this is another uh, another case of just – you know, sorry, Rick, you got a tough matchup. I think you'd have to be smoking crack to take Rick Middleton over Eddie Shore. Rick Middleton was a great player. He had a he had a stretch of like five years where he scored like 
almost 250 goals. He had a 38 goals followed by 40, then 44, then 51, then 49, then 47, which is ridiculous. I think we're talking about most underrated Bruins of all time. I think that he takes the cake over Krejci. But Eddie Shore, dude, he's the original NHL superstar. He was the 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 greatest Bruin of all time until Bobby Orr came around. He's in the Hall of Fame. Rick Middleton isn't. He has two Stanley Cups. Rick Middleton has none. He's an eight-time All-Star. Rick Middleton, was he ever an All-Star? Rick Middleton was a one-time All-Star. He has four Hart trophies. He was the best player in the NHL four times. Yeah. <laughs> you could make an argument that there were times and Rick Middleton was never even the best player on his team because he, he was playing with Ray Bork and shit back then. And, and Eddie Shore was named the NHL 100th anniversary team. Like yeah. it's, it's, you know, Rick Middleton is great. And um, by the way, way too long to get his number retired. It was just retired back in, I think it was 2018 and he retired in 88. So what are we doing with that? Yeah. But um, no, he's a great player. He's, in my opinion, I think he might be the most underrated Bruin of all time. But if you're talking Mount Rushmore of all time Bruins players, I think Eddie Shore might be on that. And if he's not, he's like, he's on deck. He's a vice president. I'm yeah. taking Eddie Shore. Yeah, no, I, honestly, dude, I, I mean, eight time all star, four time heart, two cups. Rick Middleton, no cups. Sure, he put up points, right? But when you're looking at the legacy of these two players, like you said, Eddie Shore, the original NHL superstar. Uh, you have to go Eddie Shore. And that's not a diss at Rick Middleton. Like you said, the most underrated Bruin of all time. When you see him, you don't think of points. You don't think of over a thousand games played. You just think like, oh yeah, Rick Middleton. Like I, I know he was really good, but nothing really stands out. When you think of Eddie Shore, you're like, oh, like though I think he was what? The probably the first Bruin great for sure, well, right? I mean that that depends. Do you include Lionel Hitchman in that? Because uh, Lionel Hitchman. But no, Eddie Eddie Short. I think if if you were to ask thirty NHL fans, thirty fans who might call themselves a diehard, not a diehard. Okay, we'll, we'll say if if you have thirty fans, a fan of every single team. How many teams are there? Thirty two. You know yeah. what? Let's make this real easy. Let's say you have 25 fans and they're all a fan of a different team. I think if you ask every single one of them if they know who Eddie Shore is, I think tw 23 of them are definitively telling you absolutely. If you ask those same people if they're familiar with Rick Middleton's career, I think half of them are like, yeah, maybe a handful of them are like, yeah, I've heard of them. And a couple of them might be like, oh, yeah, that's he's on the Blue Jackets, right? Or, you know, yeah. Like, He's still playing, right? He's yeah. <laughs> I just I feel like uh, everybody knows Eddie Shore, or I feel like most people know Eddie Shore, and I feel like your Bruins fans definitely know Rick Middleton, but yeah. I feel like uh, you know Eddie Shore. I mean, he's he's an all time great. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Well, speaking of Lionel Hitchman, uh, oh, here we he's go. included in the next one. So in this matchup, we got Willie O'Ree and Lionel Hitchman. Now, let's let me let me just preface this with saying. Uh, it, I, I don't get it. No hate to Lionel. No hate, but it, it, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. 65 points in 417, you know, career games played, two cups going up against Willie O'Ree, the, you know, obviously the first African American in NHL history. Um, 45 games played, 14 points. But what is Lionel Hitchman like? 417 games, 65 points. And Willie O'Ree, Willie O'Ree broke the barrier. Yeah. So I, my pick is so easy on this. It's Willie O'Ree. 
Yeah, no, my pick is hands down Willie O'Ree as well. You know, I think, uh, I mean, Lionel Hitchman was born in 1901. He made his NHL debut in the ripe year of 1922, a decade after the Titanic sank. This was 100 years ago he was playing for the Boston Bruins. So I think when you put it into perspective, the Bruins probably saw this guy. They're like, holy shit, like we're we're never going to get anybody. Put his number up there. Do it. Like we're never going to get somebody like this guy. Because in 1929, he had two goals seven assists, nine points in 39 games, and he finished second in the heart race that year. Oh, my God. Like, that was just hockey at that point, which I'm that, sure that's why. And it looks ridiculous when you compare his numbers to every single other player who had their number retired after him. But in, like, no hate to Lionel Hitchman, I'm sure you were a superstar of your era. But like you just said, like Willie O'Ree, I think he only has like 47 career games, but he's a guy who's immortalized, not just in the NHL and not just with the Bruins, but in North American professional hockey. I mean, he broke the color barrier in the NHL. He's, you know, for all sake and purposes, he's, he's immortalized with Jackie Robinson. I mean, you can't, there's no way you can pick anybody over Willie O'Ree, especially Lionel Hitchman. I'm sorry to throw you under the bus like that, but it's, it's hands down Willie O'Ree. Well, Lionel, you know, what is his name? Lionel Hitchman. Yeah. <laughs> like when you when you look up at the banners of TD Garden and you see the number three, you don't automatically go, oh, that's Lionel Hitchman. You have to like squint your eyes and read the name and you go, oh, I don't know who that guy is. Yeah. But oh, cool. I must not have watched that season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or it's like, um, oh, like he, he must have been the founder of the team or something who just literally. like like Gary, Gary Bettman, who, uh, by the way. Gary Bettman, commissioner of the NHL, put himself in the Hall of Fame. Like, how smug could you be? And uh, you see Lionel Hitchman. Oh, he started the team. He must have retired his own number. I can't wait for Brett to fight Bettman at a rough and rowdy. (laughs) Oh, yeah, dude. Those tweets are always having me dying. He's going to knock him out. But, yeah, we both have Willie O'Ree on this one. Um, You can't, you know, what he did for the game of hockey is priceless. And, um, obviously, in the Hall of Fame as a builder, he broke the color barrier. Like you said, he's he's right there with Jackie Robinson. Um, but the, the last one on this side of the bracket that we have is Patrice Bergeron going against Terry O'Reilly. This is this. And we got to take our recency bias out of it and just look at it, you know, strictly business. But Terry O'Reilly, obviously, we, we were talking about him earlier. Um, you know, just the perfect Bruin. Basically, Brad Marchand, right? Before Brad Marchand. Um, he could throw hands. He he could score. But, he, you know, look up any highlight reel on YouTube of Terry O'Reilly, and it's him just beating the face in of some other guy. Was he was he not part of the group that jumped over the glass at the old garden and started wailing oh, the fans? Yeah, he was. Dude, he was, yeah. <laughs> and his that nickname is, is Taz dude. for a reason. Right, dude. I mean, if you look at their careers, right, obviously Patrice Bergeron, um, 2003 to 2023. I wrote that down on my little notepad and I got sad. Um, <laughs> but he played, you know, 1,294 games, 427 goals, 613 assists, 1,040 points, six times Selkie. 20, he won the Clancy in the 2013 season. He won the Messier Leadership Award in 2022. He's got a cup. Third all-time in the franchise for games played. Third all-time for goals. Um... Terry O'Reilly's ninth in the franchise for games played, but this is a tough one. And I want to, what are you going to say? Who's your pick? This one, I think surface level, surface level, this one's tough, 
Um, if we're talking better hockey player, it's Patrice Bergeron. I mean, he has like <laughs> double the amount, almost double the amount of points that I think Tara Riley has like 600 and something points. Bergeron's eclipsed a thousand points. But, Bergeron, by the way, Terry O'Reilly in those 891 games, he had 2,095 penalty minutes. Yeah, there was one year where he actually he led the NHL in points and penalty minutes in the yep. same year. I don't yep. know if that's ever happened before. You're one no and only way. Terry Riley. I think <laughs> I think that there is truly there's never been a player in the history of the Boston Bruins, and there might never be another player again who has personified what it means to be a Boston Bruin like Terry O'Reilly. I mean, that guy is everything. He will like like think about like. I don't know, like, like the the passion and, and dickheadedness of Brad Marchand, who's uh, out there, like, just making. I don't know. He's a combination of your favorite Bruins players forever. He could score the puck. He could jump the glass and beat up fans. He can punch your face <laughs> in. He can lead the team. He was a former captain of the Bruins. Um, but we're talking about Patrice Bergeron, and I know you say to not include the recency bias, but Bergeron has one thousand and forty career points oh crap i lost uh where's Ter- oh he has 1040 career points terry o'reilly has 606 career points terry o'reilly has played 891 career games bergeron's played almost 1300 career games bergeron has six selkies terry o'reilly has none bergeron has a stanley cup terry o'reilly has none bergeron won a clancy he won a messier award terry o'reilly didn't win any awards in his in his career and i think terry o'reilly's Terry O'Reilly's stats aren't why he's retired. His numbers retired. His numbers retired because of what he meant to the Bruins organization. You know, like I said, personifying the spirit of being a Boston Bruin. But Patrice Bergeron has an NHL record, six Selkies. He was a finalist for the award. Uh, what was it? Eleven straight times he finished in the top three. Terry O'Reilly, his highest Selkie voting was 13th. I mean, I know he wasn't known for his defense. He wasn't chasing Selkies his whole career, but I just feel like Bergeron has more career games played. He has more, I think he has more goals. He has more points. He has Stanley cup. He has individual accolades. And on top of that, he also wore the C and he's one of the most respected players in the history of the game. I think Terry O'Reilly might beat Bergeron in terms of, uh, even then, I don't know. I'm kind of talking myself in circles here. I was going to say, Terry Riley might, <laughs> might hold uh, the candle to Bergeron in terms of like... Uh, like personifying what it means yeah, to be like, a Bruin. But it, getting your number retired is so much more than that. And Bergeron has right, Terry right. Riley beaten every single other aspect. And even then, it's neck and neck because Bergeron has been Mr. Bruin his whole career. So it's close. Not really. I take Bergeron over Terry Riley. Yeah, I'm I'm with you all the way. Obviously, Terry O'Reilly is a Boston Bruin great, but when you're ranking these two guys against each other, I mean, Ber- Terry O'Reilly never won a cup. Yeah, you know what it is? Terry O'Reilly is a Boston Bruins great. Patrice Bergeron is an NHL great, and that's yes, that's yes. the difference between the two, and that's why Bergeron beats Terry O'Reilly every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yes, dude. I mean, six Selkies. Clancy, Messier, Cup, third in the franchise in games played, third in the franchise in all-time goals, over 1,000 points, over 1,200 games played, six away from 1,300. He's, he's had a letter on his sweater, too, for like 15 forever, years. Forever, and he finally got the seat. And he took this team to – he led this team to the best regular season that we've ever seen in NHL history. Mm-hmm. But 
when you think of Bergeron too, he, him along with Chara, mainly, and then you can add in the guys like Marchand, uh, Krejci, you know that that core group, Lucic, but Bergeron and Char warped the culture from a sad kind of, I'll say, loser franchise in the '90s and in the early 2000s. Um, and I mean, if, guys- if you wanna, if you wanna, like. Ray Bork left the Bruins and won yes. a Stanley Cup in Colorado, and we threw a parade for him. That's what right. that's it was Loserville over here that, until, right. that's, until Chara and Bergeron came around. Yeah, that's what this franchise was, dude. We were celebrating players that we traded away that had just won a cup. Like that's what we were <laughs> as a fan base. And thank God the we didn't throw Riley Chara. Smith a parade. No, thank God Bergeron and Chara came over and changed it. So when you're considering that aspect in a Bergeron too. I mean, he, he was the, I would say him and Char, the greatest captains that this team has ever had. Um, and the way he played the game and the way he was so respectful and just the way that he was looked at around the league, you have to take that into consideration too. Just, you know, people respecting Bergeron made people respect the Bruins more. So he literally changed and altered the way that this franchise operated as he was here. So Bergeron over O'Reilly. Mr. Bergeron. Um, Even if Mr. you want to Bergeron. talk about international hockey as well, Bergeron right. won multiple Olympic gold medals. He, I think he won a gold medal with uh, Canada too. And like their U 18s or U 20s, whatever the hell it was. I mean, he's, he's won everything. He's won yeah. awards for his country. He's won awards for his team and he's won awards for himself. And uh, Tara Riley did not do that. Right. <laughs> So flipping over to the other side, um, we've got Ray Bork versus Dit Clapper. Um, <laughs> A showdown. This, dude, this, this one's easy for me. It's easily Ray Bork. Uh, not, 1979 to 2001, he played 1,612 games in the NHL, 410 goals, 1,169 assists, 1,579 points. He won the Calder in 1980. He's a one-time Clancy winner, five-times Norris winner, nine-time All-Star. He's first in the franchise in games played, fifth in the franchise in goals, first in the franchise in assists. He's a Hall of Famer. And then he's going up against Dick Clapper, who played 835 games, 229 goals, 248 assists, 477 points, six-time All-Star, three cups, a Hall of Fame. You cannot – Dick Clapper was amazing. And I know Bork didn't win a cup here, but dude, he almost had two thousand points, almost two thousand points. Yeah, first I in mean, the franchise in, in assists and games played, and he's top five in goals. It's Ray Bork all day for me. Not even close. I would love to uh, find Dick Clapper's uh, Wikipedia page because you and I were talking. How do you? His name is isn't it like? Aubrey or something? His name is Aubrey, but it's funny because when you search him up in Hockey Reference, he doesn't come up when you search Aubrey Clapper. He only comes up when you look up Dit Clapper. I would love to know how he got that name. But what does that um, mean? (laughs) Dude, I have no idea. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, you can't not say Ray Bork for this one. Although, to be fair, Dick Dick Clapper was no scrub. Hall of Famer himself. Three cups with the Bruins. Six-time All-Star. A guy who started, he played his first nine seasons as a right wing and then went back to play defense. And uh, as a defenseman, he was a Hart finalist twice. Um, But, you know, those numbers and those accolades are great but they don't hold a candle to, you know, five Norris trophies, a 19 time all-star 
Yeah. Uh, also a Stanley Cup winner in Ray Bork. And like you said, I know Bork didn't win the Stanley Cup with the Bruins, but he played over 1,500 games, had over 1,500 points. I mean, he, I mean, you could say he's Mr. Bruin if you wanted to, and I wouldn't say yes. no. Um, you know, there's, if it wasn't for uh, Bobby Orr, Ray Bork is the greatest Bruin of all time. If it wasn't for Bobby Orr, Ray Bork might be the greatest defenseman of all time. Yeah. Um, but it just so happens that the two of them play for the same franchise, the Bruins. Dude, so dude. Uh, <laughs> I, I said taking Bork. I said nine times all all star, didn't I? I meant nineteen. I think I said nine times. I have nineteen on my paper, but even a I nine think, time all star would be crazy to think dude, he more than doubled that is insane. Dude, I think literally I just glanced over the notes and I my eyes were like, no, nineteen can't be right. So I think my brain automatically went nine, but I had nineteen all nineteen time all star. Like that you know is what, ridiculous. You know what's crazy as well? His his final season in in Colorado he played 80 games he had 59 points and he was the runner up to the Norris as a 40 year old man who had logged over 1450 games could you imagine that i mean no. you, we we talk about Bobby Orr and how his career was cut short because of injuries i mean did he even play 700 games here you have Ray Bork who's playing double that at the age of 40 who's hardly missed games throughout his entire career and he's finishing the season as the runner-up to the Norris yes that's, and that's, by his the way too, dude I was li- like not like Re- Bobby Orr did it for 10 years Ray Bork did it for over 20 and he was consistent every year just one of the greatest players in the league just so people have a reference everybody knows how great Ray Bork is but maybe not everybody knows that he was he finished top seven in the Norris voting, every single year he played professional hockey. From his first season to his last, he finished fourth, fourth, second, third, third, second, fourth, first, first, fourth, first, first, second, second, first, third, second, seventh, seventh, third, seventh, 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 and then second. That is over the span of 21 years. Between the ages of 19 and 40, Ray Bork received Norris votes. That's ridiculous. That is one a model of consistency. That is one hell of a career. And also, he had ninety five points as a defenseman in eighty six, eighty seven. Ridiculous yeah. numbers from a from a uh, from a defenseman, especially from that era too. When you know, not too many defensemen were putting up numbers like that. He also had three hundred and forty four shots on goal. He had three hundred and ninety shots on goal when he was thirty-five years old as a defenseman. Holy shit, oh dude! How many dude, shots he, did Pasta have this year for reference? Dude, uh, I don't know. I'll have to look it up. I'm, look, but like, I'm looking up right now. He must have just gotten the puck and just fired it. He probably shot it so hard that the the puck bounced off the goalie just right back to him. Just rip it again. David Pasternak, this year, who was playing uh, twenty minutes a night. On, on your top power play unit. I think he, he mostly got second line center minutes, second line wing minutes this year. 61 goals. He had 407 shots. Jesus Christ. And for reference, Ray Bork one year had 390. He oh, took like 15 less God. shots than your one of the best goal scorers in the entire NHL as the Fetzman. That's ridiculous. That is honestly insane. But so, uh, yeah, so Bork moves on for both of us. I, I know people understand that Ray Bork was like a good player. Ray Bork is one of the best NHL players that has ever graced the league. Ever. Oh yeah. If 
I think if you were to take your all-time players in NHL history and, and you could create one lineup, one line, three forwards, one goalie, and two defensemen, I think if you had 10 people do that, I think eight of them would have Bork and Orr playing next to one another. And oh. to have both of them play almost in both of their cases, their entire career with the Bruins organization is a monumental feat. And every time you walk into the garden, you look up and you see 77 and you see four. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of uh it makes the hairs in the back of your neck stand up. You're, you're literally in the hall of legends. It's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. We've been so blessed, but moving on from uh Bork and Clapper, sorry, Dit, we got Busick, <laughs> we got Busick and Neely. <laughs> Listen. So, do you want? Do, I'll run through his, their stats real quick. So, Johnny Busick, 1955 to 1978, 1,540 games played, 556 goals, 813 assists, uh, 1,369 points, two-time All-Star, two-time Bing, two-time Cup, second in the franchise in games played, first in goals, second in assists, and he is also in the Hall of so you can't you can't discount Chief, but I have to bring up Cam Neely really quick in hockey reference. So Cam Neely played from 1984 to 1996, 726 games played, 395 points, 299 assists, 600 or yeah, 694 points. I think I said goal 385 points, 385 goals, uh, 694 points. I bet you Vancouver re- regrets that trade, dude. Yeah, dude, you think? But what do you think? Neely, ver- Neely versus Busick. Oh, because I, one... I got my pick, dude. <coughs> dude, I'm still battling this this shit that I've had for like last <laughs> month. This cough, dude, it's such a pain in the ass. Um, this one is tough. Cam Neely forever was my favorite Bruin ever. Um, I mean, he's he's one of the most polarizing figures to ever skate. The original power forward who can forget yep. 50 goals and 50 games or whatever the hell it was. Who could also forget his performance as Seabass and Dumb and Dumber. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> a, a performance that stood the test of time. And I know I, I the reason I picked Milt Schmidt over Bobby Orr is because Milt Schmidt did it in different levels of the Bruins organization. Of course, now we see Cam Neely as the president of the Boston Bruins, whether or not you think he's done a good job or not, that's a title he's held now for a decade plus. Um, But he is going up against the all-time leader in Bruins history in points, a guy who won two cups uh, to Cam Neely's none, a guy who played like double the games, uh, a guy who is named the NHL 100th anniversary team, um, you know, chief is not everything a, a Bruins player could possibly do. And he is the all time points leader. And I think it's going to be really, really, really hard to pick anybody over a guy who's done that. And, uh, man, like He's, this is tough. Put a gun to my head. I think I'm taking Johnny Busick. Busick is the all time goals leader, but Bork is all time in points. Oh, but either way, dude, he's still either way, he's yeah, franchise most leader. He's second in points, so it's like yeah. you know, one A, one B. But I mean, I, I think, I think, yeah, I mean, I think still, ugh, 
I don't know. Now you talk because now I might change. My <laughs> no, I'm I'm going Johnny Busick. Um, Cam Neely was obviously a great, but you're talking about a guy in Johnny Busick who had over 1,300 points in 1,500 games played for the franchise. Um, two-time All-Star, two cups in the Hall of Fame, second in games played, first in goals and second in assists. Um, it, it's it's in second in points. It's impossible. Cam Neely's a great, but I got to go Busick. I mean, he's nicknamed the Chief. You can't go against the Chief, dude. You can't. <sighs> I don't know. I've been thinking more about it. I feel like I'm a hip. I feel like I'm a hypocrite. If if I'm this torn up over, first, uh, I don't know. Because my whole point is, who's done more? Who's meant more to the Bruins organization? And I can't dismiss Cam Neely being president of the Bruins, a team that's gone to three Stanley Cups and won one in 2011 while he was president of the team. So I really, 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 really want to see say Cam Neely for that, but. I mean, Johnny Busick was no slouch either. I mean, he played over double the games. He's the all-time team leader in goals scored, and he won two cups where Cam Neely won none as a player. And I value player cups over I do executive cups. Yep. I, I picked Milt Schmidt over Bobby Orr because Milt Schmidt won two as a player and two as an executive. So for this sense, I will agree with you, and I'm taking Johnny Busick over Cam Neely, but I want everybody to know that I'm real torn up about it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's honestly fair. Um Another another tough first round matchup. Another one with Neely, who's you know putting down softly. Like you yeah. do anything wrong, but you're going to bed. Um, <laughs> next matchup, we got Chara and Tuca. So a battle of the new ages, obviously playing in the same era. Uh, part of that you know core group that won the cup. Chara, his career 1997 to 2022, he played 1,680 career games. 209 goals. Who could ever forget that spinorama goal that he had against Florida? Um, and then, and he's yeah. Like a ballerina. <laughs> yeah, shout out to our intro. Shout out to Jack Edwards. But 471 assists, 680 points. Obviously, Char wasn't known for, you know, his offensive production. But he won the Norris in 2009. He won the Messier Leadership Award in 2011. Seven-time All-Star, one-time Cup. And I got a put him in the hall of fame. He's definitely going to be a hall of fame. He's not yet, but he will be. And he's going up against Tuca, obviously polarizing in, in Bruins fandom. No one knows it's 50, 50. You ask, you ask a hundred Bruins fans, 50 will say yes, hang it up. 50 will say no. But uh, yeah, but I feel like you ask a hundred Bruins fans who don't listen to the sports hub and almost every single yes. one of them says yes. Yes. At least 70%. Like for sure. Mm-hmm. But Tuca Rask, 2007 to 2022, 564 games played. He's got 308 wins, 165 losses, 52 shutouts, a career 2.28 goals against average, and a career 921 save percentage. He won the Vesna in 2014. He won the uh, in the Jennings in 2020, and he was a two-time All-Star. Now, when you were ranking him in terms of goalies in the Bruins franchise, He's first in games played. He's first in wins. He's second in goals against average. He's second in shutouts, and he's tied in save percentage with Tim Thomas, which you can argue that kind of makes Tuca first because obviously he played more than Tim Thomas in Boston. But Yeah, let me first say this. Tuca Rask should have his number retired, and I will die on that hill. And I think that if you don't think – I got into the comments the other day on Twitch when I was watching um, – I think it was Ace's two-pad stack Twitch 
Uh, they were. I think that he, he streams on Mondays. I know I got bitched at because I said only Bruins streams on the wrong days last. <laughs> I believe I believe Ace in the two pad stack stream is on Mondays. Um, but they were saying that they didn't believe that Tuka Rask should have his number retired, and he does by every every sense, everything you could possibly do in the game of hockey. He has done. He has every just about every single record. He's at number one on every single list of Bruins goalies for everything. You just went through it. He has the most games played. He has the highest save percentage. He's whatever it is for goals against average, top three or first or whatever. He went to three Stanley Cups. People say, and I got into this the other day, people don't give him credit for winning the 2011 Stanley Cup. They say that it's not his, that's Tim Thomas's. Tim Thomas won that Stanley Cup. You're absolutely right. But we've said this a thousand times. Tim Thomas was like 38 years old and he had a shitty hip. And because Tuka Rask was able to start 27 games that year and play well, it meant that Tim Thomas got rest heading into the playoffs, which is why the Bruins were able to have the, the success that they did because they had Tim Thomas playing at the top of his game. He was finally healthy because he was able to split starts throughout the year with Tim, with Tuka Rask. And if Tuka Rask went out there and he sucked it up, the Bruins aren't the one seed. And the Bruins don't have their path to the playoffs that they did. And maybe 2011 ends a little differently than it does with the Stanley Cup. So, yes, Tim Thomas, that is his Stanley Cup. He is the one who got every single start in the playoffs. He is the one who deserves all of his flowers. But don't say that Tuka Rask didn't win a Stanley Cup because his name's on the cup. There's pictures of him. I can pull him up. They're not photoshopped of him holding the Stanley Cup at center ice. And if it wasn't for Tuka Rask's play during the regular season, that playoffs could have unfolded, unfolded very differently. But what I feel about Tuka Rask, this is turning into a Tuka Rask thing. God Wait, can I, say, can I say one thing on that point really quick? Yeah. And I, 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 I don't shoot the messenger. But the 2011 regular season, he started 27 games. He went 11, 14, and two with a 9.18 save percentage and a 2.67 goals against two shutouts. But the alternative to that is Tim Thomas getting more starts at the age right. of 30 with a bad hip. And who knows if he started one more game? If if you have Tuka Rask as your number one goalie heading into the playoffs in 2011, and you don't have Tim Thomas, you do not win the Stanley Cup. We know yeah. that. But if you do have Tuka Rask like they did, getting 27 starts that year, who was no slouch, by the way, I believe off the top of my head, he finished seventh in the Vesna race the year prior. This was the original Omark and Swayman situation. If Omark was 37 and Swayman was just blocked <laughs> from the Maple Leafs, like that's what it was like back then. And you, you, you just, you don't have 2011 if you don't have contributions from everybody on that roster, including Tuka Rask, which is why. That's his Stanley Cup as well. He is a Stanley Cup champion. But my whole point on this is that Tuka Rask has done everything that a goalie in the NHL can possibly do. He has a Vesna. He has a Stanley Cup. He has a Jennings Trophy. He has accolades. He has, off the top of my head, I believe he has the third highest save percentage, career save percentage in NHL history, not just the Bruins, NHL history. He's also top 10. I think he's like fifth in goals against average. So I know people knock him for only having... I believe it's 600 and something starts. He has less than 700 starts. And I get that. But to have those numbers in such a, a relatively small sample size compared to some of the other all-time goalie greats is impressive. I think that makes it even more impressive because if he goes out there and he sucks for a year or two, those numbers aren't what they are. He's not third all-time in save percentage and top five in goals against average. Um, 
But back to the whole point of this, <laughs> I'm taking Chara. <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say, dude, are you talking to yourself and do a no, no, I'm taking Chara because first of all, yeah. if Tuka Rast doesn't get his number retired, no goalie in the Bruins history will ever get their number retired because Tuka's done it all. We just said he's number one for everything for a goalie, and I think um, what's his name. Um, uh, Tiny Thompson, he should have yes. his number retired. I don't yes. know why they didn't retire his number if they're ti- retiring Lionel Hitchman. But Tuka Rash should have his number retired. It might not happen just because of whatever reason you want to conjure up. But Zidane Chara will have his number retired. And like you just said, he's uh, the great one of the greatest defensemen of a generation. He was also the Bruins captain for like 15, 16 years. Yeah. And he lifted the Stanley Cup with the Bruins as a captain. And because of that, because of his Norris, because of uh, everything he's meant to the Bruins in the game of hockey, I'm taking Zidane Chara over Tuka Rask. But I, I still want to point out Tuka Rask is a Hall of Famer and number 40 should be retired. No, absolutely. And I'm with you on that, too. He's the best Bruins goalie of all time. And, and it's the people who argue that he shouldn't have his number in the rafters. It's the people who argue that he never won a cup. And like you said, he was on the team in 2011. He contributed to that team heading into the playoffs. Sure, it, like 100%. It was Tim Thomas's Stanley Cup. As the goalie, it's Tim Thomas's. But you can't take away the fact that Tuka Rask played in regular season games. He's played in 27 of them. Sure, his record might not have been the best, but... I mean, he's still putting up decent numbers. 918 save percentage. I think it was a 262 goals against or something like that. He contributed to that Stanley Cup. He's a Stanley Cup champion. He should have his number retired. But when you look at what Char meant to the organization, um, like I was talking about earlier with Bergeron, changing the culture and bringing that winning attitude back to the city and back to the team. Um you know, he was him. He was one of the reasons that some big name free agents came over here. We were changing direction. They wanted to be a part of this culture of this leadership group, and you saw it work. And it worked for, like you said, like fifteen to sixteen years. He changed the direction of the franchise, and just all his accolades too. You can't go against that. I'm I'm picking Char over Tuca, but. Tuka Rask is the greatest goalie in Boston Bruins history, and no one can ever take that away from him. That's right. Book it. Um, Book it. You know, Chara, Chara, honestly, Chara might have been the greatest free agent signing in. Maybe NHL history, dude. I was, I was about to say that. I mean, he what he meant to the Bruins, his impact was felt for two decades, and it's still being felt today. Like, I was just uh, just the we when he was signed. I mean, <laughs> I don't remember when Joe Thornton was traded. I was like four, and I wasn't alive in the early to mid, those mid-90 teams. But the Bruins, they sucked. Like, there's a reason Ray Bork left to go get his Stanley Cup somewhere else. And everything changed when Zidane Chara signed a deal to come to the Bruins. And the first thing the Bruins did, which was the greatest decision this organization ever made was to give him the C because it changed everything. But uh, again, I don't want to turn this into a Tuka Rask thing, but I also just wanted to say 2011. I know he only had 27 starts and his numbers weren't fantastic. And I said before, if Tuka Rask wasn't starting those games and Tim Thomas is, which could make him injured, contribute to his injury because he was an old man with a bad hip at that time. But on the flip side of that, you could also argue that if the Bruins had anybody else in that, they could have put up similar stats to Tuka Rask. And you're right, but guess what? It was Tuka, and he was the one who started 27 games, and he's the one whose name is on the cup. So I wanted to say that, but 
I could yeah. go on. We could have a whole episode about Tuka Rask, and it would be five hours long, and I would just talk and talk and talk, and I'll take a single breath. So we got to move on before I get too heated again. <laughs> yeah, I think the beginning episodes that we had, Tuka was mentioned for the first like seventeen of them. But yeah, because Zach, hey, oh, right, I'm not right, doing it. Yeah. I'm not- <laughs> <laughs> but the last one in the first round is Esposito versus David Krejci. Um, like we we kind of went through Krejci earlier in the episode. No personal awards um, outside of the silver stick. He's a one-time cup winner, obviously, 2011. Over 1,000 games played, all with the Bruins. 231 goals, 555 assists, 786 points. But if you look at Phil Esposito in his career, 1963 to 1981, he played over 1,200 games, almost 1,300. He had 717 goals, 873 assists. Um, eight-time All-Star. Five times Ross, five time Ross winner, two time Hart, two time Pearson, two times Cup. Um, in in 1970, 1971, he had 152 points, 76 goals, 76 assists. He's second in the franchise in goals, um, and he's a Hall of Famer. So this one's easy for me. Krejci, I love you, but dude, you can't compete with Phil Esposito. Yeah, I mean, there's really not much else to say. Hall of Fame, two cups, eight-time All-Star. And on top of that, too, he when he retired, he had the most goals in NHL history. So, yep. you know, yep. he's the greatest player of his generation, honestly. Um, and, yeah, for every pretty much every reason you can think of, it's Phil Esposito. I'm sorry, Krejci, I love you as well, but come on. <laughs> yeah, all right. Jumping to the second round real quick. We got Schmidt and Shore for your for your bracket. Schmidt and Shore? <coughs> Milt Schmidt. Milt Schmidt? Yep. Do you want me to give a reason? I mean, I feel like I've already argued long about these players, but... I was going to say, like, these next ones are going to go pretty quick. Like, do you want to say just quickly why Schmidt over Shore? Yeah, I mean... I know they were both... both instrumental in in the organization yeah i mean if 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 i if i took milt schmidt over bobby Orr, but then picked eddie shore over milt (laughs) schmidt i would i would lose my bruins card i mean that no um so spoiler (laughs) alert milt schmidt's gonna win the whole thing for me (laughs) but no i just for every reason i said earlier about him every level of this organization he's had a hand in he's won at um he has as impressive of a career as an executive as he does of a player. And every single role he's ever had has been with the Bruins. So uh, I'm taking Milt Schmidt. All right. And really quick, I'm going to bounce to the second matchup in the second round for you. O'Ree and Bergeron. <sighs> well, I'm going to take Patrice Bergeron. Mm-hmm. Um. Willie O'Ree, for what he did for the game of hockey, is monumental. And um, he means so much more to the game of hockey than he does just the Bruins, of course, for breaking the color barrier. But, um, you know, I at the end of the day, I mean, if you're comparing his career to Patrice Bergeron, Willie O'Ree played 47 games in a Bruins sweater where Bergeron played over 1,000. I think Willie O'Ree had 15 career points where Bergeron had over 1,000. Bergeron has a Stanley Cup, six Selkies. He's got a handful of awards. He's um, one of the greatest. He's the greatest two-way player of all time. He's one of the greatest players of a generation. Um, and while w- Willie O'Ree means so much to the game of hockey for what he did, um, Patrice Bergeron is like 
arguably, I know I've given a couple other guys his title now, but he's like arguably Mr. Bruin. I mean, he's the complete player. He's the complete package. And um, I can't look past everything that Bergeron did. So Patrice Bergeron. Yeah. Um, so your, your uh, left side bracket final two is going to be Schmidt against Bergeron. So for me, I've got Bobby Orr and Eddie Shore. I mean, Eddie Shore was monumental in the organization for everything that he did. But you got to – Bobby Orr played more games than Schmidt. I mean, sorry, Shore. Uh, he had 14 less goals than Eddie Shore, but <laughs> countless amounts more of assists. <laughs> Eddie Shore was an eight-time All-Star and a four-time Hart winner with two cups. You got to compare, you know – Bobby Orr and, and Eddie Shore's award list. Bobby Orr, eight times Norris, two-time Ross, three-time Hart, two-time Smythe, nine-time All-Star, two Cups, Hall of Fame, all of this done in a 10-year career. you got to take Bobby Orr over Eddie Shore. And for my second matchup, I had Willie O'Ree and Bergeron. And for all the reasons that you said, dude, um, obviously what Willie O'Ree meant to the culture of hockey and, and changing the directions of of old thinking and stupid thinking and just the courage for him to be able to do that was monumental to the game of hockey. And I'm so proud that the Bruins were the first to, you know, uh, institute Willie O'Ree into the game and, and really change the culture of everything. But when, when you're talking about a career and that's kind of what we're doing here on this bracket, you look at Patrice Bergeron and what he did for the organization obviously is, gigantic changing the culture and all of that so bergeron over willie O'Ree. so who do you have on your left side you have bergeron and or bergeron and or are my final matchup the the final two on my left side of the bracket oh boy what a so, showdown that's gonna be so mel's <laughs> final two on the left side is schmidt and bergeron mine is or and bergeron on the right side uh mel your first matchup of the second round is Ray Bork and Johnny Busick. Uh, yep, and I am going to be taking Raymond Bork because yeah. uh, as impressive of a career that Johnny Busick has, and I wrongfully said that Johnny Busick has the most points in Bruins history, it's actually the guy he's playing against right now in Ray Bork who did it <laughs> as a defenseman. He was a, was a Bruin for, I think, 19 seasons. We already went through everything he's ever done, five, South, five Norris. The only thing he didn't do was win a Stanley Cup in Boston, uh, which Johnny Busick won too, which I guess helps Johnny Busick in the big scheme of things. But n- you, you can't not say Ray Bork. I mean, Ray Bork is the second greatest Bruin of all time. He's done everything a Bruin can do except for win a Stanley Cup. But um, no, it's it's Ray Bork eight times out of ten, and this time is one of those eight. Yeah. Now your second matchup, Char and Espo. That's a t- that's a deep breath. It was like, oh, yeah, shit. <laughs> I set oh, myself up, brother. That's oh, a tough brother. one. That's that's a tough one. <laughs> this is a tough one. Um, oh man, this is where my logic is really gonna screw me here because my this whole time, my perception of who I'm picking isn't based on who is the better player or who has had uh, who has been more influential to the game of hockey. It has been what they've done for the Bruins. That's why I picked Milt Schmidt over Bobby Orr, which 
as I say it now, I still think it's a little crazy, but damn it, I stand <laughs> by it. Mm-hmm. And if we're comparing Zdeno Chara and Phil Esposito, oh man. Oh God, this is really hard. <laughs> this is really hard. I mean, if you want to talk about who's the better player and who had the better career, it's Phil Esposito. He's in the Hall of Fame. Chara will be in the Hall of Fame. He has two cups. Chara has one. He's an eight-time All-Star. Chara's a seven-time All-Star. But where Espo has him is Espo won two hearts. Chara won a Norris. Espo has five Art Ross trophies. He's two-time Pearson winner, and he's on the NHL 100th anniversary team. I already said, with the time he retired, he had the most goals in NHL history. I mean, he, he was the better player, and I think he's the most influential player between the two in terms of the NHL as a... Uh, the the NHL as a whole. But if we're talking about the Bruins, the signing of Chara and Chara coming into this organization was the biggest culture change I think I've ever seen an organization take. They went from trading their, their captain at who was like 23 and Joe Thornton to, you know, literally throwing a parade for Ray Bork because he won a Stanley Cup with a different team. <laughs> right. Chara came here and he turned the Bruins into a legitimate, respected organization again. The Bruins were an original six team, one of the most storied franchises, one of the most respected teams in all of North American sports. And I'm not saying that the Bruins weren't. I'm not saying that everybody was pointing fingers and laughing at them, but there were a couple years there where it was pretty damn close. And the Bruins sucked. And when Chara came into this organization, they gave him the keys to this franchise and they basically said, please help us. And he did everything times 10. Bergeron has said himself, he owes a lot of his, a large part of his career and who he is as a person to playing with Chara. And to be fair, Chara will say the, he'll say the exact same thing about Patrice Bergeron. Chara was the captain. He's the, if I'm not mistaken, he's the longest tenured captain in Bruins history, or he's like second or third. He wore that C for like 15, 16 years. He won a Stanley Cup here as the captain of the team. I don't remember if Espo was a captain of those Stanley Cup winning teams for the Bruins, but. Uh, when when Chara came into this organization, he changed everything. He the Bruins signed him like 20 years ago, and we're still today riding on the success in the culture that Chara instilled when he came here from where was he? The Ottawa and before yeah. that, the Islanders. Like yeah. Yeah. just the the change and the effect, everything that he did for this Bruins culture cannot be overstated. And because of that, I think I'm going to take Chara over Espo. Yeah, <laughs> dude. All right, and I was gonna say it's crazy that two teams had him before he ended up with the Bruins. Two. I know, I know, and it's because um, Ottawa kept that other guy over him. I don't remember his name. I don't remember his name. Either, but I but bet you, I bet you, they regret that. But this I one's really were, hard. Yeah. Yes. Like I said, Esposito's Esposito's the better player. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He has everything. And he even won another cup that Char didn't win. But if I'm being honest and if I'm if I'm trying to be consistent in how I pick my players, I'm looking at who impacted the Bruins more. And Phil Esposito monumentally impacted the Boston Bruins, but he didn't change and affect the culture of a team of a city like Zidane Char did. When he signed here, I don't think any player has ever done that anywhere. Like there's a reason that they call Chara arguably the greatest free agent signing in the history of the NHL. He did more than just help the Bruins win. He changed everything about this franchise. And I can't overlook that. I don't care who he's up against. 
and I was a little doubtful, but after saying this to myself, I'm I'm standing pat and I'm confident in my pick. I'm taking Chara. Dude, it's funny because on the thing I'm keeping track of, as you were talking yourself into Chara, I wrote down Chara before you picked him. I was like, he's going with Chara. <laughs> it's but a defenseman in me. I have a it, little bit of a bias. <laughs> yeah, we got so on my on my second round for this or the second round in on my right side, uh, we have the same things: Bork versus Busick, Chara versus Espo. And when you're looking at Bork versus Busick, you can't. You you can't forget what Bork did. Obviously, what what Chief Johnny Busick did for the organization and what he did in his career was unreal and unbelievable. But Ray Bork, as I was saying earlier, is one of the best players in NHL history, hands down. So I'm going with Bork over Busick, and Espo had almost 1,600 points. Chara had 680, I believe, but. For every reason that you said, too, you can't – what would this franchise be right now without Zidane Ochara? The greatest free agent franchise – the free the greatest free agent signing in franchise history, in NHL history, arguably. I don't know who you would put over that. But for everything that he did for the organization went outside of just his game. Espo ha- was, like you said, the better player and and – produced more for the team, but Zidane Chara changed everything. He changed the trajectory of everything. He was a transcendent player, the biggest player in NHL history. Um, when you thought of the Bruins, you thought of Zidane Chara. He brought back that mean culture, the mean, hardworking, gritty Bruins culture back to the city and back to the team, and you saw it reflect on other players. He didn't just make himself better. He made every single player around him work as hard as they could and push them to their limits and pass their limits into into levels that they didn't think were possible and he made i'll say he made men out of out of the players he was like a like a like a drill sergeant dude but not like not mean but but the way that his mentality was you could see leak, yeah you could see a leak into just everybody on the team so He's for a, that reason yeah. it's chara over uh espo yeah that's a good choice I, I, I support that. <laughs> We're on the same team. But this is when it really gets tough. Yeah, so so our final two for the right side, both of ours are the same. It's um, Bork versus Chara. On the left side, Mel, your final two, Schmidt and Bergeron. <sighs> this one, oh, man. <laughs> I, know, I know I just said that, you know, spoiler alert, Milt Schmidt's going to win the whole thing. And uh, yeah, no, I still think that. So I'm gonna take Schmidt over. <laughs> no, honestly, I thought about it for a second, but um, I can't. I can't. Again, if I take Milt Schmidt over Bobby Orr, I gotta have him winning the whole thing yeah. because there's there's nobody else here who would beat Bobby Orr. And um, I mean, Bergeron is my favorite Bruin of all time. He he means everything to this organization on the ice, off the ice. For everything we just said about Chara, I mean, he retired or he left the Bruins what four years ago, and I think the only reason that he was able to leave the way he did, and I think the only reason the Bruins were still able to be competitive. I know they had good players, but if they don't have leadership, everything falls apart after Chara left. And there's nobody on the Bruins. There's nobody that I would trust 
to take that leadership mantle, to take the keys for this franchise from Zidane Chara than Patrice Bergeron. And the success that the Bruins had last year, albeit regular season success, is large in part because of Bergeron and his leadership and being able to rally the troops and pull these guys together with a new coach and with some new players on the roster. If you don't have the leadership in place and the culture set, none of that works. And a lot of that is because of Zidane Chara. But today, that's because of what Bergeron has done since Chara left. So it's really hard taking Milt Schmidt over Bergeron after saying all of that. But I've already given like three huge speeches as to why I think Milt (laughs) Schmidt should should be the eventual winner of this thing. And I still stand by it. I know looking at Milt Schmidt's numbers, they don't exactly jump off the board. He has 575 career points in the 776 games, but he's done so much more than that for this organization. He's, you know, they should change the Bruins logo instead of a B, just put Milt's face on that Jersey. <laughs> and, um, you know, it sucks having to say goodbye to Bergeron, but I'm going to take Milt Schmidt. That's twice you had to say goodbye in like a span of two weeks. <laughs> Shut up, dude. That was <laughs> that was messed up. <laughs> um, so for my left, my left side uh, final matchup, I have Oren Bergeron. <sighs> I'm going with Bobby Orr. Like like you said, everything Bergeron meant. It's it's you can't really add it up. But Bobby Orr, God forbid that that injury, the knee injury. Um, God forbid his agent too, not lying I to him know. and screwing him. Dude, that's the worst thing in the world. But but I, I, I can't not take Bobby Orr. So my finalist from the left side is Bobby Orr, and Mel's finalist from the left side is Milt Schmidt. On the right side, for the um, <clears throat> third-round matchup on the right, Mel, you got Bork and Chara. Two, two defensemen. Just how I like it. Um <laughs> Dude, imagine them as a pair. Oh my god, dude. Nobody would want to go into the corners if Bork and Char were out there together. No. (laughs) This this one is tough. Especially with the way that you've been doing it the entire bracket. Like the the you know what they meant to the team and the organization. And I and I really I really want to be consistent. Um and the leadership that Chara had for the Bruins, everything that we just said. Um, that impact, I don't think anybody has had an impact on the Bruins the way that Char did in that sense. But I can't, like, to, to talk about Chara as one of the greatest defensemen as a generation, a Norris winner, um, and uh, one of the greatest defensemen <laughs> in Bruins history, as good of a leader as Chara was, the gap between Chara's leadership and Ray Bork's leadership is closer than Chara's skill and production on the on the ice compared to Ray Bork. Ray Bork is the second greatest defenseman in Bruins history, and he's no slouch as a leader either. I know he didn't win a cup in Boston, but he was a captain for the Bruins forever. Who can forget the one of the most there's no Bruins moment that gives me goosebumps. Like the, like when Ray Bork took number seven off and gave it as yes, he's wearing 77 dude. underneath, like yes. Ray Bork is, will forever be a Bruin. I know he won a cup with Colorado, but he is damn it. I'll give him the title too. There's four Mr. Bruins and he's one of them. If there's a Mount Rushmore, if there's a statue of Liberty for the Bruins, <laughs> yeah. um, it's Bobby Orr, 
but Ray Bork built it, damn it. Like he's he's signed his name on the foot or something. And um, <laughs> for as good of a leader as Chara is, Ray Bork is a supreme play. I'm trying to okay. Chara Chara's leadership is like a 10, and Ray Bork's leadership is like a 7.2. Ray Bork as a player is a 10. And Char is like a six and a half. Like there's, there's just, there's no comparison. I mean, it's, I got to say, I don't know how to explain it in the way I'm trying to think of it, but I got to say Ray Bork because I can't overlook what he did on the ice. He's his numbers, his accolades. He has, I believe the most games played in Bruins history, the most points in Bruins history. I know he didn't win a cup, but he won like 50,000 Norris's. I think he won five, um, <laughs> but he is the Supreme player by, a wider gap than it is leadership. And I just think that because of that, when you're comparing apples and oranges and you're listing these players the way that I have, I think I got to say Ray Bork. And I know this is a lot of word jargon, but my, (laughs) my, 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 like, this is, this is like the hardest matchup I think for me doing it the way that I'm doing it. So I'm trying to think of my answer while I'm opening my mouth and talking and nope, I was gonna say I was gonna change my nope. I'm saying I'm sticking with Ray Bork. Yeah, I also have Bork and Char on this one, and I mean, nine-time All Star for Ray Bork, seven-time All Star for Chara. Um, obviously, no cup in Boston for Bork. One cup in Boston for Chara. Bork with five Norrises, Chara with one. I mean, franchise-wise, Bork is first in games played. He's fifth in goals, first in assists. Char is seventh in in the Bruins in games played. I got to go Bork, dude. I have to go Bork. It's tough because they both were instrumental in, in you know, the Boston Bruins and everything we said about Char and the culture and everything. But at the end of the day, it's Ray Bork. So your final matchup for the Bruins jersey retirement bracket. Uh, break bracket holy stroke <laughs> is Milt Schmidt and Ray Bork mine is Bob Yor and Ray Bork so Mel would you do us the honors and give us your final winner for the jersey bracket Schmidt or Bork well I know it's been tough and I know that my methods might not be orthodox of how I choose who but I think if you've been listening to me long enough You'll already know what I'm going to say. And the ultimate Bruin in terms of retired number is Ray Bork. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I it's, thought you switched. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to I'm gonna have to stick with Milt Schmidt. For, okay. I don't really feel like giving the speech again, but uh, I'll, just, I'll just quickly do a little glance over it. He was a player, captain, won two Stanley Cups as a player, went behind the bench, became a head coach, was a GM. Also, those teams that he put together in uh, 71 and 72, he's the one who found Ray Bork. I mean, not Ray Bork, Bobby Orr. So I think there's a little merit in that as well. I mean, he was the GM of those teams that won the Stanley Cup. I actually don't know if he was the one who found Bobby Orr, but I know that he was the GM of the team when they won. Um, I mean, having a hand in four Stanley Cups in multiple roles with one organization I think he's Mr. Bruin. I've given that to four different players, but I'm taking them all back and I'm definitively giving it to Milt Schmidt. He is the greatest Bruin in every sense of what it means to be a Boston Bruin. And it's 
means more than just performing on the ice, which he did. <clears throat> it means more than just winning Stanley Cups, which he did. It means exemplifying what it means to be a Bruin. And I just think that nobody has done that to the level that Milt Schmidt did. And it doesn't matter who he's up against. Like we said, he was up against round one, the the second greatest player in the history of the sport. And I still pick Bob about, oh my God. I still pick <laughs> Milt Schmidt over him. So for this greatest Bruin of all time, I give it to none other than Milt Schmidt. Hey, very respectable. Congrats, Milt Schmidt, on winning the Mel's all-time Bruin jersey retirement bracket. They should they should add that to his uh, hockey reference up there. Yeah, Hall of Fame, sure. Cup, All-Star, Mel's greatest Bruin of all time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just put, it'll be up there tomorrow. I'll send him a little letter. They can hang a mini banner up in the garden of just my face, in my, yeah. in my little in my little microphone. In your Mel's hands greatest out. Bruin. Um, so for me, and I I like how we did this because we kind of came into this with uh two different mindsets. Um, my final ended up being Oren Bork. Obviously, what Bobby Orr did with the Bruins was insane. Um, all the awards he got eight Norrises, three hearts, two spice, two Ross, nine all star, two cups, all in 10 years, Hall of Fame. Obviously a top three hockey player of all time. But looking at Ray Bork, over 1,600 games, almost 1,600 points. He played over 20 years. He's first in games played, fifth in goals, first in assists. I'm going to hammer that down this podcast. He is top five in three major stats for a franchise, and in two of them, he leads. He's a Hall of Famer. Yes, he didn't win a cup in Boston, but you saw how beloved he was as well in the city when he brought that Stanley Cup back to the city and he had his own parade. He didn't even win it for us. He had his own parade. For that reason and the for, lo- for the longevity that Ray Bork had in his career, I am going to go Ray Bork for my pick for this bracket. So Ray Bork is my winner. Milt Schmidt is your winner. Wow. I'm surprised you took Bork over Orr. I thought for sure <clears throat> Orr was going to be the one. Well, because you and I were texting about this when I was on my way home when we came up with the idea. And at the time, I said, well, what's, you, you know, it'll be fun, but we both know who we're going to pick as the greatest brood of all time. I think it's everybody's answer, Bobby Orr. And then I was driving home and I was like, hmm, maybe, maybe not. And I, th- I thought for sure you were going to, you were going to pick Bobby Orr, but. I like your rationale. I like how you came to your conclusion. And if it was between Bork and Orr for all-time Bruin, I honestly think I might agree with you. You might have to side with, with Ray Bork there. Yeah. I mean, when we were <laughs> when we were texting earlier and you said that, I already had Bork in my mind. I knew it was going to be between Bork and Orr. Um, but after going through everything and, and, you know, all their stats and time in Boston and considering everything – I couldn't not land on Bork. Uh, I wish, I wish Bobby Orr could have could have stayed healthy, and we could have really seen what a full career out of him would have looked like. But yeah, Ray Bork, Ray Bork is my winner for sure, for sure. Yeah, because when you, because when you, because I, I said, oh, I know who we're both gonna pick. <clears throat> it's gonna be Bobby Orr, and you were like, 
I don't know, maybe not. And I was like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not taking that bait. Come on. We're both picking Bobby Orr. And yeah. I'm, I'm honestly kind of impressed. We both Now I want to hear what people think. I want to know if they're going to listen to this and they're screaming at the radio thinking that we're idiots or if uh, our reasoning is justifiable. Either way, I'm sure we'll hear it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure that most people are going to be at least, you know, understanding of our picks, but I'm, if I had to guess, there's going to be a big population out there that are going to be so angry that we didn't pick Bobby Orr. But, yeah, but I mean, but it's to I, be fair. It's, it's not like we didn't explain our reasoning and both of our reasonings were very understandable. Yeah, and I think when you're talking about greatest Bruin, it's it's almost like the MVP award. Is it the best player or is it the most, most valuable player? And this isn't, when we're talking about greatest Bruins of all time, this isn't a talent show. I'm not just going to pick the player with the most points. I'm not just going to pick the player who was the most talented. Uh, the way that I think of the greatest Bruin of all time is more than what you do on the ice. It's also what you do off the ice. And, you know, that's why our rationale for picking Chara over, who did I say, Espo, picking Chara over some of these other guys, you know, it's a reason why Bergeron made it to the final four because he was more than just a player on the ice. And it's the reason why Milt Schmidt ultimately won for me because he was more than just, you know, a couple of 20 goal seasons I think he had. Yeah, a couple of 20-goal seasons, a couple of Stanley Cups. I mean, he did everything a player can do in the game of hockey, and he did everything an executive can do in the game of hockey. And how many players can say that? Yeah, no, literally nobody. Um, it, when you, when, I mean, just going through this list and some of the matchups we had, I mean, Schmidt and Shore, um, Busick and Bork, Chara and Espo, um, going through some of those matchups – the greatest players in Boston Bruins history are legitimate greats. Like there, there's no players like Nashville has, obviously they don't have a, you know, as deep of a history as this team, but every matchup was hard. The only one that we easily casted to the side was Lionel Hitchman. And that yeah. was it. That was well, it. That honestly, and I hate to hate to say it, but Esposito over Krejci too is pretty easy, but yes. Um, yeah. No, I think it, it's, it's impressive when you look at you know these Bruins players and some of the teams that they've had. I mean, if you were to field a lineup of every player in the history of the NHL, and uh, you know you could only make four lines and two goalies. I mean, I think you have like you might have three. You have three defensemen here in that lineup, probably. I mean, you have Bohr and, and uh, Bohr. Oh my God, you have Orr and Bork, and depending on who you ask, I think Eddie Shore might make an appearance. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, saw, but, I saw your eyes light up like did, wait you're like what did I just I was like I was like more? who am I forgetting um but you also have players here who who changed the game of hockey I mean we we said it earlier I mean, Eddie Shore was the first the original NHL superstar I mean he it didn't get much better than him and then a hundred years later we've seen all the greats that have come since him Bobby Orr transcended what it meant to be a defenseman in the game of hockey. I mean, he forever changed the sport with what he was able to do out there on the ice. He was a magician. If they they probably thought he came from another planet, and damn it, he <laughs> might as well have. I mean, Willie O'Ree. I mean, we we already went on about that. I mean, breaking the color barrier. I mean, that's more than just being a Bruin. I mean, that's that's changing American North American history. I mean, that that's that's what they teach in schools is people who do that. And and for the Bruins to have Willie O'Ree as part of our culture and part of our history, I think it makes everybody proud to be a Bruins fan. Cam Neely was the original power forward. I mean, they have players here who changed the game 
And that's what it takes to get your number retired in Boston and to look up there and to see that they have multiple players who have had an effect like that, an effect that's forever changed the fabric of the Boston Bruins organization and players who have changed, you know, the game of hockey and players who have had a cultural impact on being an American and, and, you know, integration and all that. I mean, it's, it's impressive, honestly. I can't believe that some of these guys were, were Bruins way back in the day. And even some of these guys that are Bruins presently. Yeah, dude, I honestly, I can't sum it up any better than that. Um, uh, we do have some DMs, but I think we're going to save them until next week. It's late over here. Uh, I still got to edit this. We both have work in the morning. And next week is Ugh. most likely going to be a little bit of a dead week, too. So maybe we'll do an all DM uh, episode. So if you got questions, you know, fire them away. Send us a DM, either me, Mel, or the podcast account. Um, you know what else we have, to- too? is we uh, we still have those voicemails from when people called in about Bergeron's retirement that we haven't played. Yes. We've kind of been holding on to those. I think we can also – we have three of them. I haven't checked. We might have had more recently, but we can play those as well. But uh, I think next week can be an episode dictated by you guys where we can answer your DM questions, we can listen to your voicemails, um, unless – Austin Matthews becomes a Bruin next week or Shifley or Lindholm gets traded here, but I'm expecting <laughs> there's really going to be no news other than uh, maybe another episode of bear tracks. And maybe yeah. we see a second Tim Thomas sighting. I don't know. I'm not holding my tongue, but I need, I need him to come to the garden. One of these days, this season, oh my- dude, it's the hundredth year. Actually. I bet he comes this year. You know, I bet he I, comes this year. Honestly, I feel like, Tim Thomas has been to the garden plenty of times, but he probably goes in disguise. Like he's probably yeah. <laughs> way up in the 300s. Honestly, a disguise of Tim Thomas is shaving his mustache. I, I wouldn't recognize say, him if he walked in without a mustache on. I'd be like, who the hell is this guy? Dude, all you would have to do is like put on a really big sweatshirt and a wig. And like yeah. you can walk around carefree. Oh, but, um, uh, Jim Flamis. Oh, yeah. hey, come on in. Yeah, Jim, Jim Flamis from Pennsylvania. Just I'm just <laughs> sitting out in the bleachers just checking out the game. You know, you would look really good with a mustache. You ever try to grow one? <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, yeah, with that, we'll probably wrap this one up. Um, but like we said, next week is going to be an episode dictated by you guys. So any thoughts you have on anything, send them our way. Uh, we'll we'll gladly speak on it. It could be about anything at this point. You know, it's, it's the off season. Let's have some fun. Send us anything that's on your mind. Um, I know Marty sneak preview on this one. He's he sent in a DM. Uh, it was uh, would you rather fight? What was it? It was the crab rangoon question, right? No, no, that was no, that was memes. Yeah, you know that was memes. That was memes. That was memes. I want to, I want to read it. I want to read it because it has significance. This is the only one we're going to read just because it has significance right now because of what we've been tweeting. He said, "Would you rather fight 100 crab-sized rangoon or 100 rangoon-sized crab?" (laughs) (laughs) All right, so you'll get that answer on next week's episode. But yeah, send us more questions like that. We'll just kind of go off the rails a little bit. But um, with that being said. I do want to remind everybody that we are in partnership with the one and only Primetime Productions. Um, you can follow them on Twitter at Primetime Prods. Uh, we're streaming EASHL to, tonight, actually, because this drops on Thursday. So Thursday night, we're streaming some EASHL. Dave, uh, Chris Davis, Nick Tedesco, Con Walker, obviously me and Mel as well. I also want to give a shout out to the only Bruins boys. I yep. apologize. I <laughs> got your day wrong last week. Only Bruins streams their EASHL games 
Wednesday night. I said it was Tuesday. I was wrong, and nobody beat nobody beat me up more than I did about it. I didn't sleep for a week because I was so <laughs> torn up about getting the day wrong. They stream Wednesday nights. Go check them out. I already mentioned it earlier, but Ace streams uh, his two pads stacked. Um, oh, I think his. Oh, you know what? Let me let me go read what his Twitch is because I would have got it wrong and I would have gotten yelled at. Ace's <laughs> Twitch is uh, Ace043. He streams every Monday. Uh, I believe his first one was this 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 past week. Um, so you have only Bruins on Wednesday. You have us on Thursday. You have Ace Two Pet Stack on Monday. And NHL 24 release trailer was today. They got cross platform yes. baby. So two months from now in October, you're gonna see all of us playing together, and I can't wait for it. Let's go, dude. You're also gonna see some something's brewing versus only brewing um seven game series on NHL. Oh man. If you saw the timeline this week, we were sending memes back and forth to each other. Um all fun and games, but in all seriousness, it would be an easy four game sweep for the boys. Yeah. No, no, they actually suck. And and we <laughs> we fooled them because they, if you were watching our stream last week, it, we just played threes. It was me, Con, and Sully playing. And uh I think we lost every game on purpose because we knew that they were watching. So we threw the game. So they're going to, so they're going to think, Oh, you know, these guys don't back check or they suck. They're going to have a rude awakening come October. And I've been telling them that, that we lost on purpose. And for whatever reason, they don't believe me. And I can't imagine why. Do they, do they think like we, we, we like when we try, we lose. Come on. I don't know. And nobody sees it, but we play every now and then. And when we don't stream, and we don't lose a game. The we're undefeated. Everybody... We're undefeated when we don't stream. <laughs> yeah, it's that's just it's the something's brewing way. I mean, we like to yeah. mess with people. We we draw them in. It's like uh, you know, it's like it's like counting cards. We're cheating yeah. over here, man. We're just we're trying to we're trying to draw them in. Yeah, man. So so I'm excited for you know crossplay to come up. We're gonna have a ton of fun with that. Um, obviously, we'll play NHL 23 for as long as it exists. You know, until 24 comes out. <laughs> but, but, um, with that being said, you can follow the Something's Brewing Twitter account at Brewing Something. We'll be way more active on that as the season goes. But um, right now it's just breaking the news. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitch at Something's Brewing Podcast. Um, and again, you can follow Primetime Productions on Twitter at Primetime Prods. You can also and, follow. Did you get the Primetime Prods Twitch? Uh, no, I didn't. You want to plug it? Oh, I was. Yeah, sorry. I was laughing. Uh, you can also follow the Primetime Productions Twitch at Primetime Prods. It's the same as the Twitter at. Um, we will start streaming on that soon. We're just waiting for a couple other things to happen first. Um, but look out for that because I know when we do our cross platform games, when we play with the Only Bruins boys, um, we're probably going to use that uh, Twitch account to stream it. So if you haven't subscribed, go ahead and subscribe um, and be on the lookout for more news coming from Primetime Productions because there are plenty of things in the works. Oh yeah. Um, with that being said, episode 54 of the Something is Brewing podcast proudly brought to you by Primetime Productions. And with that, I can't wait for the DM episode next week and we will catch you all next week. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
just getting to watch him play, especially the 2011 run. Um, came up with some pretty big plays and moments and um, that backdoor pass to Nathan Horton uh, against Tampa. Uh, I think that one kind of comes to mind when I think of Crecho and uh, how he's just able to kind of slow the game down like that and, and make those plays and at the right moments and in big moments. Uh, but that's the one play that kind of comes to mind when I think of Crecho. No, definitely. I loved uh, in every situation where we had team parties and whatnot. Um, being able to get a few moments to talk to him in those settings was really nice because it was easy to open up in those moments and um, get to know him a little bit better. But uh, his humor is like nobody I've ever met. Um, his sarcastic humor is pretty incredible. And we made that pass to uh, Nathan Horton in Game Seven. Um, so again, as a fan. Um, yeah, I wasn't even part of that organization yet, but just um, another guy who always stepped up in big times and was such a, such a clutch player for the Bruins and, and uh, all these cup runs, so that one sticks out for me. I guess just getting to hang out with them on an off day. Um, we had a double off day. Um, you know, he texted me, we went and uh, met up. We ended up having a, lot, a long day together and had a lot of laughs. Ended up dressing up as Ted Lasso, and that was pretty funny. And, um, you know, that's a memory I'll always have, and I'm glad that I got to spend all that time. Favorite catch memory? It was probably like the first time I met him, because obviously, like being around the team a little bit last year, uh, you heard a lot about Crecho, a lot of Crecho stories, and uh, it was just fun to be part of that and, and see him actually. Like, he has those funny jokes, you don't, he doesn't really show that much emotions, and it's, it's so, so funny his humor. And, um, but especially early in the year, like some guys who had some new, new people around there, I wasn't really like used to it. And it was just funny to see, see uh, him, he's cold his eyes go and say his kind of jokes and he's kind of walk away and like see the reaction of some people. And I don't know, he's a great, great guy. And, uh, uh, I think one of my favorite hockey memories of Kretsch was uh, during our 2011 run, we played Philly. And he scored an overtime goal. And, and the thing about Kretsch, what is so special about him is he's the most calm player I've ever seen. And no matter the pressure situation or the time of the game, um, you know, the momentum swings that are going on, he's always very, very calm. And I, I was laughing so hard at this. We, he scored an overtime goal and it was as if nothing happened. He, like, he wasn't phased at all. And I was like, this is unbelievable. If I scored an overtime goal in the NHL playoffs, I would be going bananas. And this guy was just like, it was another day at the ring for me. It was like he's playing ball hockey. And that that's what I was like, okay, this guy is just a different breed. There's a reason why he's special. And he can he does what he can on the ice because he's just, his mindset is just like that 24-7. Just any time spent with Crash off the ice. He's one of the funniest people I've, I've ever played with. And uh, yeah, his sense of humor. You know, Kreacher was one of those guys that you walk into a room for the first time being a young guy and uh, you got to do a double take because that's really him, right? It's, uh, he's such a presence and the way he carries himself as a true professional uh, is something that I always looked up to in him and he's an all-out competitor. You know, no matter what the, the stage of the game is, uh, big or small, it didn't matter. He always came to compete and he brought uh, every teammate around him up a level, it seemed like. so. Uh, he's one of the funniest guys I know too, so it's always good to have laughs with him and 
Um, yeah, just a really special individual. Crecho is a person that for me at first was hard to read. Once you get to know the real David Krejci and you understand his humor and you understand how he is as a person, I get why so many people love him. And he, he is one of the best guys out there. And the way he, you know, the same thing there, the way he carries himself, the way he jokes, the laughs, everything about him is, you know, it's a lot of fun. When I went to for the first face-off with him, with, uh, with him on, on the ice, I think it was one of the first games, and we had we had set play out, uh, place after the face-offs, and he just said a random word that it is, and no one knew what it was. And I was like, Gretch, like, what what is it? What are we gonna do? He was like, well, if you don't know, they're not gonna know, so just skate somewhere and, and do whatever, because it's gonna throw them off. And I was so nervous. I was like, I'm playing with Gretchy and Pasta first game. I don't know what, what to do. And just like that, just the player. He is uh, the guy he is. You know, he's sarcastic sometimes and, and he just tries to get get sometimes these little jokes in. And that was, I was just talking about with Pasta. He's like, yeah, he does it too. Every time, every time there's a new guy, he just throws him off right away with this. And, and so that was a funny memory right away from the start of the season. Probably his reaction after we won, you know, uh, he actually had a hat too, like a Stanley Cup champion hat, and it was too big for him, and it, was, it just looked so funny. And uh, yeah, just that joy and his, you know, his smile, his eyes, the emotions, I think that's something I'll never forget.